following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Second and goal for the Jets. Direct snap, Saquon Barkley. He'll take it to the left, and Barkley will score! Terrific play calling, Rickle there. Direct snap to Barkley. Runs it in for the touchdown. And the Giants cap one of their best drives in a long time. Look at me. And Heineke, pumping, looking, trying to get away from Ozilari. Throws incomplete. And it's fourth down. That don't keep her love from dying. Heineke, see Thibodeau out of the play. Heineke throws, incomplete. Broken up by Darnay Holmes. No flags down. And the Giants are on their way to getting this one over Washington. I'm not angry, just give me the ball. But it, there has been a, a turd served up in the punch bowl, courtesy of the New York football giants. Welcome to the show, everybody. Bob Matthews here with you. Yep, a 20-12 to 12 loss to the Giants on Sunday night football means that the Commanders' playoff chances are not nearly as good as they were a couple of days ago, but they're not nearly as bad, I don't think, as 538 says they are, or a lot of other people in the chattering class. We're going to hear from Ron Rivera in a few minutes now that he's had a day or so to process everything and figure out exactly what it was that was going on there and what the way is forward. We're also going to take a look at the quarterback situation And I'll let you know why I think um, it really is time to go back to Carson Wentz. It just is. Uh, But first, let's go and hear from Riverboat Ron about everything that went on. Let's start with the officiating, or lack thereof. And I'm, I really do agree with what we're going to hear Rivera say. And that's that the officials definitely did have input into how this game ended. Uh, you have no doubt by now heard Dean Blandino talk about it on Twitter, that that was not a penalty on Terry McLaurin no matter what. And, yeah, uh, the defensive back there on Curtis Samuel on fourth down probably should have been arrested for assault and battery in the end zone, uh, relatively speaking. I speak figuratively here. 
Um, but Rivera said, despite all that, uh, the bottom line was this team should not have been in that position to begin with. Things, I mean, it, it shouldn't have come down to what it did at the very end if we do those things, you know. Um, but, you know, honestly, though, it, it's just one of those things where if you do those things, if you if you execute, play discipline um, on a couple in a couple situations in the red zone, um, you know, uh, and, and, and do what you're supposed to. We put the ball in the end zone instead of having to kick field goals or, or, or unfortunately turning it over. This is one of the few times when I really can't quibble with anything that Rivera just said in that comment. He's absolutely right. And the red zone has become a real problem for the commanders. Um, and, and if they had done the things they were supposed to do, he's absolutely right. It wouldn't have come down to that really bad, scandalous officiating the last two plays of the game. Um, but before we get to the bad play for the rest of the game, let me jump back. I want you to hear Terry McLaurin talk about uh, talk about the call on third down that negated the Brian Robinson touchdown. I felt like I was on the ball the uh, entire time. If you look through the, the game, I lined up there pretty much every play. So... I checked to see if I was good the first time, and he was like, I move up a little bit. So when I moved up, I checked to see if I was good, and he said I was good. So um, no, I'm not trying to get fined. So we had our other opportunities before it to come down like that. That's tough. But Terry, he told, did you hear him tell you that you were okay? Yeah, I did. Like That's why I'm giving him a thumbs up twice to make sure I was, I was good. But... He went on to say that it, you know, it's still his fault that he got the penalty, which, of course, it's not. You heard John Kime actually get him to confirm that because I think everybody was a little surprised that Terry would actually come out and say what he said, that he thought the official made, the mistake, made a mistake, which he did. I mean, here's the, here was my thinking about it after watching it a number of times. First off, he checked with the official. The official told him to move up. He moved up, asked the official to check him again, and the official said he was good. All right, that's number one. Number two, like Dean Blandino said, you just don't call that at that point in the game. It, it wasn't a foul. And number three, I think you have to have some contextual awareness as well. Again, this is a guy that, like he said, prized himself on the little things. Terry McLaurin's one of the best players in the league, one of the best wide receivers in the league. It's kind of a, it's kind of a version of the Jordan rule. Uh, you know that he is making the effort, always making the effort to line up on sides. And when you talk about something that, an action that doesn't affect the outcome of the play, that sure as hell didn't affect the outcome of the play. How the official could have thrown the flag for that, I have no idea. Well, I do have an idea. The official blew the call. And I hope that, you know, I hope that there is some action taken against that linesman. And I sure as hell hope that the commanders don't have them, don't have this crew again this year. If you heard Rivera after the game, he was pretty salty about it again you know, he just came right out and said, just don't ask me about that because A, he doesn't want to get fined and B, he doesn't want this crew gunning for him the next time 
the two teams play. From the 10, second and 18. Thibodeau got there, got the ball out, scooped it and scored! Touchdown Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau! Which, of course, now brings us to the elephant in the room, and that's the quarterback situation, Taylor Heineke. Uh, that play was one of the backbreakers, and we're go- I'm going to talk more about that specific play in a couple of minutes when considering whether or not to make the move back to Carson Wentz. Uh, it fell on David Aldridge, the dean of the beat reporters, to ask Ron the uncomfortable question about his starting quarterback. Ron, do you did you give do you give any thought to a change of quarterback for next week? No, no, David. I I think the the biggest thing more than anything else is you know sticking with with Taylor and and, and what we're trying to establish. Um, you know, and, and it is something though that obviously is talked about obviously out there, and it is something that you know to to be quite frank, as I do have to think about at some point. But if we can continue to if we can get back on track and play the way we've played and do things that we've done. Um, you know, then we'll stick with where we are. Uh, until then, you know, I, I will I will do that. The the body of work during Taylor's streak, I mean, it's been pretty consistent in terms of what he's been able to produce. Right. Um, is his skill set going into the San Francisco San Francisco game especially relevant given their pass yes. rush, given their ability to kind of collapse? Well, that's one of the things too. And and again, if we can run the ball successfully. And, and do a few other things, it, it, it will offset some of the things that they do and do well. Uh, we've got to be able to handle that up front, which I think we can. Um, you know, we, we, we've been able to do it a couple of times. You know, we, we, we've done it against Philadelphia. We had some really good moments against Minnesota, um, you know, and a few other teams where we've been able to control the tempo because we've ran the ball early and effectively. Um, that has to be one of our priorities going into this game is that we've got to make sure we're, we're, we're shored up in terms of uh, running the ball and then understanding in terms of our protections versus some of the things that they try to do. A little bit of that is coach speak, but you heard him at the beginning say now he's he he hasn't thought about it yet. Although uh, an interview that you can probably find uh, you can find on the NBC Sports Washington uh, site, JP Finley's weekly interview with Rivera, he had a little bit more nuance to it. Uh, earlier today saying that, you know, we, we got to be able to move the ball and score some points. And if we can't, we're going to have to shake things up, essentially. Um, he was asked by Michael Phillips. Uh, and again, this is all Monday uh, afternoon where he does a, a Zoom call you know, with all the beat reporters. A- and he was asked about, you know, where do things stand with Taylor? And does, does Taylor Heineke realize that, you know, 12 to – 18 and or 20 points every week just isn't going to get it done because it's not a sustainable business model. You know, my conversation with Taylor last night, it was, hey, look, you know, we had some really good moments during this game. We did some really good things, but we've got to build on it now, we, and we've got to finish. We truthfully got to finish in the red zone. And, and you know, and, and I think, again, a lot of it is as long as I'm open with him and he understands where I'm coming from, I think we, we, all, we, we both get the messaging. I think the translation on that is that he's going to be on a pretty short leash against San Francisco, and rightly so, because this just didn't – it's not working the way it needs to work. Taylor Heineke was probably the best thing that could have happened to this team when Carson Wentz broke his finger. But again, and any of you that that listen to JP and and B. Mitch uh, on 106.7 The Fan – have heard Brian say it before. Uh, the more tape you get on a guy, a backup, the more you can game plan for him. 
And that's what teams are doing now. Um, you know, you haven't seen them throw those short slants in a while. That's because they're stacking the box. Um, they're making Heineke do things that, that Heineke can't do. And when you look at the tape on the two of them, I'm sorry, Carson Wentz is just better. I know, I know all of the issues that you've got with Carson Wentz, but the tape doesn't lie. And if you go look at the All-22, just watch Carson throw the ball. It just, it's just quicker. It just gets to the receivers quicker. And that's what this team needs right now. I mean, you, you've got to be able to have a vertical threat. I know. I know about the line. I know the fact that Heineke is more mobile and everything, but it's not working the way it's going. And, you know, hopefully the line is a, in a little bit better shape now. The fact that you've got Brian Robinson running the ball, I think, means teams have to respect the run a hell of a lot more. But you look at, I mean, you look at a couple of even the big plays the chunk plays from Sunday night, uh, the long throw to Jahan Dotson that he completed. John Dotson had to wait on that ball. If he catches that in stride, it was a touchdown. And, oh, by the way, they didn't score on that one either, did they? Answer, no, they did not. As a matter of fact, that led to Heineke's second fumble of the game. If Carson Wentz is there and you hit Jahan Dotson in stride, he goes in to score. All of a sudden, it's 18 to 17 extra point pending for the for the commanders. So even if you concede that the Giants get another field goal, you're down at the what? You're you're down at the five yard line with no with three seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter for Joey Sly to hit a short field goal. And you win 22 to 20. But it wasn't, again, because of the lack of arm strength with Taylor Heineke. Every measurable out there, your, your eye test when you watch the film shows it. Every statistical measurement that you can find on PFF grades or whatever you want to say shows you that Carson Wentz should be the starting quarterback. It's just that rep that he can't shake of what happened the last two games of the season with Indianapolis. I don't even blame it on his time in Philadelphia. It's, it's, the, Indi- it's the last two games of last year with Indianapolis. Yeah, I, went, I actually went back and looked at it. Uh, in the Tennessee game, they ran, that, the, the, they ran the same uh, five-wide, empty-set backfield that they ran against the Giants. Same position on the field where Kayvon Thibodeau stacked Heineke. Carson Wentz made the throw on that play. Uh, he didn't look for the second receiver. He went right to where the ball was supposed to go, which was to the running back, whereas Heineke double-clutched it. Now, yes, I get it. Thibodeau was pretty much uh, a runaway freight train coming at him, and it would have been hard to avoid the hit. But maybe, just maybe, if he had gotten it out right away, it wouldn't have been a sack fumble six. I think Rivera Rivera owes it to the other 52 guys on the roster. If he thinks that, you know, he's got to, he's got to ask himself, you know, a seriously honest question. If he thinks that Carson Wentz possesses the talent 
to be more successful at quarterback and give this team a better chance to win, then he's got to go with them. I'm I, I'm sorry that Jonathan Allen thinks that, that Taylor Heineke has the biggest nuts he's ever seen on a football player. I'm sorry that Taylor Heineke is a great guy and chugs beers and then smashes the can against his head at the Caps game, which, by the way, if you have a problem with that, I've got some really bad news about folk heroes Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jurgensen for you. I, I'm sorry that Heineke is a great guy and an overachiever and all that stuff. He's not as good as Carson Wentz. He's just not. And I'm not saying that Wentz is the answer, and I'm not saying that Wentz could lead you to a win against San Francisco, but I think you have a better chance because of the fact that he can throw that deep ball. And hello, he's a legit starting NFL quarterback, and Taylor Heineke is an overachieving backup. That's just the facts. Take a break. When we come back, the Caps are on a heater as Ovi takes aim at Gordy Howe's mark of 801 goals. That is next as we continue on the Hockey and the Pigskin Podcast Networks. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team's going to win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and over, 18 and over, New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, select parishes. Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New customer offer void in New Hampshire, Oregon, or Ontario, Canada. New customers only, one per customer. Valid, minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Bet must win. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Free bets are non-cashable and cannot be withdrawn. Free bets must be wagered one time and stake is not included in any returns or winnings. Free bets expire seven days after being awarded. Promotional offer ends 115.23. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast. Gustafson drops it off. Ovechkin looks for Dowd on the toe drag. Dowd fires. He scores! A brilliant shot from Nick Dowd. 15.35, the time of the tally. Jensen cranks it up. The fucking score! Dowd does it again! I think it's 
safe to say that Nick Dowd was the number one star of the night Monday night in the 4-3 overtime win over Detroit. Caps are on a heater right now, man. They have uh, won, let's see, eight or seven out of their last ten with an overtime loss in there. So they've gotten points in eight of their last ten, ten of their last 15. They've needed it, too, to stay in contention. They're tied with the Islanders right now for thir- with 38 points. New York has by virtue of uh, one more win than the Caps right now, has the last wild card spot. But, of course, a long way to go with that. Uh, the Penguins uh, have 40 points. So there's only now six points that separate first place New Jersey from the Caps, who are in fifth. Carolina's on a hot streak as well. They've won five straight. The Rangers have won seven straight. Uh, Pittsburgh has law, uh, dropped their last game, and the Islanders lost in overtime in their last game. Uh, but Nick Dowd, man, uh, the, just the, a great game for him. And uh, we talked to Dowder after the game, uh, said it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things. You will definitely take it when the situation arises. Uh, yeah, I just happened to hop out kind of into a D zone, and they were changing and made a play to the middle. And uh so far on three, so O made a nice play to me, and I was able to find the net. And then, um, I mean, kind of a bit of a nothing play. We won the draw and dumped it in, and Jens made a really, really good play back door. So, um, you know, pretty simple. You know, getting a come from behind win down two goals, you know, how big of a momentum boost is that just kind of going forward? Yeah, that was huge. I mean, I, I don't know if we've had one of those in our building this year. Um, you know, if we have, I guess correct me. But, uh, you know, to, to come from behind and then come from behind again uh, the very next shift um, and then win in overtime, especially like that, that was a, that was one of our biggest crowds of the year. So uh, that felt really good for our team. And, uh, you know, again, Chuck played well. The Chuck that he's talking about is Charlie Lindgren, who did play really, really well. The Capitals will be getting some outstanding goalie, goaltending between Lindgren and, um, and Darcy Kemper. Kemper, by the way, was the backup and was uh, was available yesterday, uh, but in, but they went with uh, with Lindgren instead. But the Caps have only given up 99 goals this year, which is good for one, two, three, four, five. It looks like about six, seven. It's good for eighth in the conference. And when you compare that to last year, it's one of the reasons why I say you can't really panic right now. When it when it comes to our you know, with with the slow start, yeah, they were losing games two to one, three to two, things like that. Kemper and Lindgren have really really solidified that team. And remember, there's still a ton of guys on the injured list, not the least of which is T.J. Oshie, who is also day to day. Hopefully, Kemper will be coming back here uh, sometime in the. I would imagine he gets the start in Ottawa a little bit later in the week. Uh, Ovi still on number 800, didn't get 801 last night. Mark and Marty Howe, I don't know if you noticed, but they were in attendance at the game. Uh, Gordy Howe's two sons, who he actually played professional hockey with, both in the in the NHL and the WHA. And like everybody else, you know, they're, they say they are rooting for, for Ovi to pass their dad. And I would imagine, I would not be surprised to see him turn up in Ottawa uh, in a couple of nights as well. That's uh, that's a game, that game uh, later in the week against Ottawa. One the Caps need to get. Yeah, the Senators are struggling. They're 14-15-2. They're way back in the playoff race. That's a good game for the Caps to go out, get, and keep putting the heat on the Islanders. 
keep playing good hockey, eventually you'll start climbing. All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, clock on the wall says we got to go. Talk to you a little bit later in the week. Both of the commanders get ready for that must-win Christmas Eve game against San Francisco. And uh, the Caps as they continue to try and climb back to the wild card spot. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next time. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike tonight, as always, do our way. Washed his hands, the seal is fair.